0: Hey, this is Stu with Bitcoin Fi, the cross-section between financial independence and crypto. I had a few things I wanted to share today. I apologize that I've not put anything out for a couple of weeks. I've been sick and then I was just really busy last week. But getting back into it today, there's been a lot of news that's come out lately. That's been pretty interesting. Probably the biggest thing is that the SEC... Securities and Exchange Commission in the US has approved two Bitcoin futures ETFs to start trading. People can buy these ETFs in their TD Ameritrade or whatever brokerage they prefer to use. But I'm not really going to go too deep into that. I will link in the show notes a YouTube video from Andre Jick. He's pretty good about explaining how these ETFs work and what they are and why they're probably not the best way for you to get exposure to bitcoin or to crypto. But it is still a big step and brings it more into the mainstream. So it's it's exciting news and it's definitely helped propel bitcoin to new all-time highs recently when it went up to 67,000. At the time of recording it's around 62,000. Exciting stuff there. Mastercard also was working on allowing crypto payments through their cards I believe so that's gonna be interesting to see what that looks like at some point anyway lots of good stuff happening for the crypto space but today I wanted to talk about having a plan and what to buy how to buy it when to buy it I think it's important when you get into crypto to know what game you're playing let's stick with stocks for a little bit with stocks people play a lot of different games there are day traders there are momentum traders There are meme stocks. There are dividend stocks and dividend investors. There are REITs, real estate investment trusts. There are growth stocks, micro caps, large cap, middle cap. There are sector ETFs. What else? I mean, there's so many different things you can do with stocks. There are people that short. So you have to know the game that you're playing and what that means for your holdings. It's the same thing with real estate. People do flips, they do Airbnb, uh, short-term rentals like vacation rentals, they do long-term single-family, they do multi-family, some people just do land, development, commercial. There's so many different games that you can play with investing and it's the same thing for crypto. Crypto you have a lot of day traders, you have some people that are Bitcoin maximalists, you have some people that are all in on Ethereum and think Ethereum is going to surpass Bitcoin at some point. You have Ethereum competitors. You have decentralized finance or decentralized exchanges. You have tokens that are trying to solve different problems, some that are related to gaming, some that are related to file storage, some that are related to real estate, tokenizing real estate. So there's a lot of different, you could say, sectors in crypto similar to sectors in the stock market and there's also like different asset classes with crypto just like there are different asset classes of real estate and stocks so anyway I think it's really important to have a plan first of all know what game you're playing and have a plan when you go to a financial advisor which admittedly I have never done I manage all my own money and I do my own research but um, you could consider me a boglehead basically i do indexing but i also do monthly full stock picks and i've had some success with that it's only been about a year since i've used their service but so far it's been good so i am a long term buy and hold investor and that's my view of things with stocks but that's not everyone's view with crypto i'm actually having some struggles with this right now but with crypto there's some people that are just Bitcoin maximalists, and that's all they care about is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin becoming the global reserve currency of the world. I, I think that there's room for a lot of winners. I think there's room for Ethereum. I think there, you know Ethereum is powering the Web 3.0. Ethereum is powering a, a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of Ethereum competitors. I think that there's room for multiple winners. You even have stuff like Ripple and Stellar Lumens that are not decentralized, they're not like true cryptos philosophically like Bitcoin is truly decentralized, but Stellar and Ripple are centralized, they're helping banks kind of get into crypto, from what I understand. And again, I can go deeper on that later, but well, I'm just saying that you have to kind of know what you're looking for, and what you want, and what you think is going to work for you. So, have a plan. I do have a blog post on it, and basically, I invest like an index fund. I know a lot of people that are listening to this probably don't know a whole lot about crypto, and are still learning. But an index fund, the S and P five hundred, is probably the best known, and it's the example we'll use here. But it's the five hundred largest companies in America across all sectors. So you have tech utilities, um, consumer goods, retail, oil and gas, or energy, you know. So you have all these different sectors, and the S&P 500 is just the largest companies in America split up by sector, but it's weighted by market cap. So the valuation, so tech is a huge part of the S&P 500 because it's a huge part of the American economy. Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Tesla, they're all trillion-dollar companies, so they make up a lot of the S&P 500, and everything else is in a smaller percentage based on how big that company is. So, if a company's worth two and a half trillion, like Microsoft or Apple, they're going to have more exposure in the S&P 500 compared to Walmart. We'll say I don't know how what Walmart's valuation is, but let's just say that it's 500 billion, right? There, something that's 2.5 trillion is going to have five times as the exposure. As something that's 500 billion because it's five times bigger. And then you've got on down the line. So that's kind of how I invest with crypto. Bitcoin is the market dominator. The whole value of most cryptos out there, which there's like 9,000 different cryptocurrencies out there, the whole crypto is worth 2.7 trillion. Bitcoin is about 45% of that at 1.2 trillion. Ethereum is around half as big as Bitcoin with about 500 billion. So between those two, you've got more than two thirds of the market, I think. And the rest is alternative coins or altcoins. So I think it really makes sense to invest like an index fund. And in my mind, it's. You know, at least 60% in Bitcoin and Ethereum, just according to their market dominance. But, you know, I do between 75 and 90%. I think that's pretty good. And altcoins, they just come and go. Like, I bought some altcoins in 2017 that were in the top 20 or in the top 10. And they're nowhere near that now. Altcoins can fall in and out of favor a lot faster. Bitcoin and Ethereum, I mean, even Ethereum... Worth 500 billion or more. The third biggest coin, Binance coin, I think is somewhere around 80 billion. So even Ethereum is five times bigger than the third biggest coin. Something like that, right? So they're just so much bigger, and the adoption of Bitcoin and Ethereum is so much higher. They're not going to go anywhere. They are the, the proven historic market leaders, and everything else has come and gone. I mean, I w- in 2017, Binance Coin was $3. Now, Binance Coin is 520 There's almost nothing better I could have left my money in than Binance Coin uh, with that kind of growth, but regrets there. So, yeah, it just makes sense to me. Like, you want to get good exposure to the top dogs and then the rest. Like, if you want to take some what's known as moonshots on a meme, coin like shiba inu or dogecoin or some other coin that you heard about that's in the top 100 maybe that's fine just know that that shouldn't be your core thing some of these are pump and dump schemes some of them are scam coins you just never really know some of them are gonna come and go out of favor and new solutions will come up and and replace them so it's it's interesting for sure, but unless you do a lot of research, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to go into altcoins. Now a lot of people will think, well, I've already missed the boat on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Not really. There's about 100 million people in the world that have bought crypto. I mean, if we just get to a billion, that's a 10x of adoption. I don't know if that correlates exactly to a 10x of price, but could could be. Um, you could make an argument for that, that it could even be more than a 10x in price if, at that adoption rate. So I, I don't know. I don't think at this point that anyone's really missed the boat on Bitcoin or Ethereum. And I do think that there are altcoins out there that are outside the top 100 or that haven't even been invented yet that could easily make it into the top 5, top 10, top 20. And I think that there are stuff that's in the top 10 and the top 20 that will probably stay there for a long time. But some of them are going to fall out and, and not going to be much going forward. So, so anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but um, that's kind of my target allocation is 75 to 90% Bitcoin, Ethereum, and whatever's left to altcoins. But I don't know that I would go more than 30% altcoins. All right, let's wrap this up a little bit. As far as when it comes to accumulating crypto, um, Coinbase will push this a, a little bit on you. If you have a Coinbase account, that's where most people start, but they'll say like, don't know when to buy, you know, cause prices go up and down unless you're buying a stable coin. So they will recommend to you to dollar cost average. And I think that's pretty smart to do. If you just set up a recurring purchase every, every month, every couple of weeks, every one week, every day. Now what's tough with Coinbase is the fees. Every exchange pretty much has some amount of fees. And the fees on Coinbase, if you're buying $10, it's 10%. The lowest amount of fees, like if you're buying, oh, I want to say it's over $100, It's uh, even at $100, it's going to be at least a 3% fee. Now, people coming from the financial independence community, we balk at fees. Like You shouldn't have an index fund or a mutual fund in your 401k that charges you more than half a percent in fees and anything over percent we wouldn't even touch Uh, we're looking for Vanguard or Fidelity funds that have no fees or that have 0.03 percent but here we're talking about a is it a hundred or a thousand times more at a three percent fee so yeah you can buy with Coinbase or crypto.com Voyager Celsius Gemini some of them have fees some of them have spreads where you're not quite getting the true and best price, but that's how they make their money. Is there's just a like a one percent spread. I've seen on Voyager, if I if I see the price on on Coinbase of sixty two thousand on Voyager, it's usually sixty two thousand three hundred or sixty two thousand two hundred. So they're not charging you any fees, but like in a way they are because there's a spread, and and that will happen with several exchanges. It's just part of the game. That's how those exchanges make their money. So I think it makes a lot of sense to dollar cost average. Depending on how much time you want to put into it, there's another way to just buy dips. And I've had pretty good luck with Cointelegraph's um, market analysis. Cointelegraph will put out a price analysis every two or three days, and they'll say, like, this is what the charts say. It's, It's technical analysis. It's chart reading. It seems kind of voodoo. But they'll say like, this is just an example. They'll say, oh, Bitcoin's at fifty-eight thousand. The resistance is at sixty thousand. If it can break sixty thousand, it'll probably run up to the next resistance, and it's based on like a Fibonacci number or something. And they'll say, if it breaks sixty thousand, if if you can sustain and close above that price, it's going to run up to sixty-four thousand, something like that. But if it doesn't, if it's at fifty-eight thousand and it dips to below fifty-three thousand and it can't Hold that price, then it's going to go down to um, the next barrier, which is—I'm just making this up—but forty-six thousand, right? So, I've had good luck buying dips on Coinbase Pro with limit orders when things do break to the negative. If they say, "Oh, if it if it doesn't hold this price, it's going to hit fifty-three thousand or something," if I set a limit order for fifty-three thousand five hundred and it does happen to go negative instead of positive. I've had good luck with, with their targets, roughly. I, I will go a little above their target. If it breaks negative, I've had good luck with Coinbase limit orders. But you have to do that in Coinbase Pro. I have another um, a blog post and a YouTube tutorial on how to set up limit orders on Coinbase Pro. But that's getting a little bit more technical, and a lot of people aren't going to go that route. If you do have a Coinbase account, you have a Coinbase Pro account too. The fees are way less, and it's more of a trading tool, like a day trader tool. But I use it as a little bit more advanced way to buy a dip when I have a lump sum that I want to put in at a certain price point. And again, the price might run up. And so if the price runs up, if it doesn't end up breaking to the negative so I can buy the dip, but instead it breaks positive, I just wait a few days for another price analysis to come out And then I can just move my limit order to be what they say is the downside again. Sometimes you have to chase it a little bit. But um, like I said, it has gotten me some buy-in here and there at lower price points. Okay, If you want to learn more about that, I have a blog post and a YouTube video. But all of the apps basically support um, a dollar cost average, I believe. A lot of the apps like BlockFi and Celsius, they will pay you interest in the coin. BlockFi, if you have like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Chainlink, you can get all of your interest paid in the Bitcoin, or you can keep the interest earned in the coin that it's in. So your Bitcoin would earn Bitcoin, your Ethereum would earn Ethereum, your Chainlink would earn Chainlink. Um, but I definitely have used it to like accumulate more Bitcoin from all my interest across all coins or earn more Ethereum. So that's something to know about. I haven't seen that on Voyager or Celsius. You only earn in the coin that you have. Different different places have different interest rates as well. Celsius has some of the better interest rates on some coins. Voyager has better rates on other coins from Celsius. Um, Voyager has minimums for some coins to get interest so you have to have a certain amount of Bitcoin or a certain amount of Ethereum to start earning interest versus celsius you you don't have to have a minimum the same with block uh, BlockFi you don't have to have a minimum but BlockFi, you you are tapped out like if you have more than ten percent of a bitcoin they won't pay you more interest well they they will but it's tiered they pay like somewhere around five percent interest on ten percent of a bitcoin but if you have twenty percent of bitcoin like the the extra Anything more than 10% is not going to get that awesome rate. It's going to get a much lower rate. So you kind of have to chase a little bit. But um, anyway, so that's a few ways to accumulate. You can earn interest on your Bitcoin or your crypto with some of these apps. and And how they're paying that is either from their own money that they get from fees and spreads, but they're also collateralizing your crypto and loaning it. So kind of like a crypto bank. They're doing exactly what a bank does, except with crypto. Um, And you can also borrow against your crypto there from some of these places. BlockFi, Celsius, at least you can. Coinbase was going to, but some government agency said they would sue if they did, so they shut it down. But BlockFi and Celsius are kind of being looked at for some of these crypto loans And the regulators are are looking at this. But for now, there are some really good interest rates out there. Probably one of the easier ways to accumulate Bitcoin would be the BlockFi card. I have the BlockFi credit card. And it pays 1.5% Bitcoin back. Not cash back, not miles for flights or anything. But 1.5% back in Bitcoin. The intro rate is 3.5%. So the first three months, you can earn a good amount of bitcoin on what you would normally use to buy your groceries and your gas and whatever. <clears throat> I do like the BlockFi card, it's pretty awesome. And I have a referral link if anyone is interested. Coinbase has a prepaid debit card that you can transfer cash over to that card and you can get 1% back in bitcoin. Uh, You can also get 1% back in other coins. I think you can even get 4% back in Stellar Lumens. Uh, So that's another way. A competitor to Coinbase's product is the Fold Card, which I have, but I haven't actually used it. They limit you to certain retailers, but if you want to buy something off Amazon, you can go through the Fold Card, just put $100 on there, buy the $100 thing, So like it's a similar thing to Coinbase. It's a prepaid debit card, a preloaded debit card that you put money on, and then you can get Bitcoin cash back to various retailers. So that's another way. I tried a new way this last week, actually Friday. I got my first payday in Bitcoin, at least part of it, with the Strike app. It's interesting. I've mostly done lump-sum buys of Bitcoin and Ethereum, but I do have a dollar-cost average set up to buy crypto on the 1st and the 15th with Coinbase. But I'm actually going to switch it and turn that off because I like getting it through my paycheck better because there's no fees. The Strike app has no fees. You can set up your direct deposit exactly like a bank, I'll link to my blog post where I explain how to do it, but it's super simple, super easy. If you have to fill out a form to do your direct deposit, they have a form that you can fill out for that too. But they have some custodial bank that whenever you make your strike account, which is really fast. I actually helped a friend make their strike account last night, and it only took about three minutes. And so I do have a referral link there where we both get $5 in in Bitcoin it doesn't support any other cryptos but if you do want to buy Bitcoin and just get it direct deposit dollar-cost average this is the best way from what I can tell there's not much if any spread and there's absolutely zero fees and the strike app is also being used to enable tipping on Twitter so it's a really cool app it's very similar to Venmo actually and I've really enjoyed using that app and just the fact that I'm saving three percent on my Bitcoin purchases at the same frequency from Coinbase, it's just a better way of doing it. So, Anyway, those are some ways that you can dollar cost average and start accumulating crypto. Just remember, have a plan, figure out what game you want to play, figure out your strategy, figure out if there's a selling point for you. You have to know what your goal is going into it and do your homework and your own research. This is not advice. This is just for entertainment purposes. I'm going to share a little bit more on the next episode. Some mindset shift that I'm going through, it's been kind of a tough thing for me to figure out and to decide how to go about things. But anyway, I don't want to get too rambly today, so I'm just going to wrap it up. But let me know what your plan is, if you have a plan, or if you want to look at mine. I will link it in the show notes, and I will also link everything else I said with Andre Jick and the Bitcoin ETFs, my investment policy statement, how to allocate like an index fund, how to set up strike direct deposit. So I will be back with you soon and share more thoughts later. Remember, financial independence is doable.